You are now tuned in to the Hot Dog Stand Chronicles. Extraordinary people with extraordinary stories. Sitting down with the hot dog extraordinaire himself, Mike Rudd. Now, on to the Chronicle. Welcome, friends. We have a lot more cooking today than just hot dogs. My guest today is Alan Carl. Let me just say... Alan's an unbelievable guy, and he is to a T what I talk about a hot dog extraordinaire being. Someone living their life with true passion. You see, Alan rode around the world on a motorcycle for three years. He visited five continents, and he came back with what are the most wonderful stories, beautiful photos, and tasty recipes of his journey. And he's actually turned it into a book called Forks, A Quest for Culture, Cuisine, and Connection. I read it, and I love this book. I'm not kidding. Go get a copy of this book. Today, actually, when we're bringing Alan on the show is the actual publication date of the book. He was just featured on Good Morning America. He has an interview with Forbes.com later today, and right now he's joining the Hot Dog Stand Chronicles. So before I bring him on, speaking of the Chronicles, I'm your host, Marketing Fun with Mike, a.k.a. Mike Rudd, and these are real interviews with real hot dog extraordinaires, and their goal, to tell their story, to inspire you, and to give you ideas to set out with finding your own hot dog stand, a.k.a. passion and calling in your career and your life. If you like this podcast and want to join my community, Head to my website at marketingfunwithmike.com and sign up for my newsletter. You get a free PDF of my ebook that will give you 10 action steps to start the process of finding your passion in life. I'm going to shut up now and let Alan do the talking. Alan Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Great to be here on the Hot Dog Extraordinaire, the Hot Dog Chronicles. This is, uh, this is awesome. Uh, Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Thank you for... Uh, fitting me into your busy schedule while you're out in New York promoting this unbelievable book that you have. Well, it's, uh, you know, as they say, once uh, uh, the writing's done, you think that's the hard part. Now we got to get the word out and get it to uh, into the hands, or like I say, on the tables of people all over the world. And uh, thanks to, uh, to you, uh, and I might just add that you gave a great intro, but, but, but what you didn't say, and this is what really warms my heart, is after you got the book, you said, man, I, I like this book so much, I want to give it as a gift to your father. And, uh, and, and you're not the only one who has, uh, who's had that reaction. And I've had uh, several people who want to give it to their brothers, their, even their sisters, mothers. And uh, so this is, uh, this is great. It warms my heart that we are... Uh, uh, touching people in, in many different ways. That That is it's my pleasure. I think he's going to enjoy it, and there's nothing better than giving the gift of a book that just keeps on giving and spreading the word. Let's let's dig in. Where do you want to start? You want to start with your journey, or you want to start with the book? You you tell the listeners what what you uh, where, wherever you want to begin with. Well, I kind of think a lot of people ask, you know, why? Why, right? Why, you know, pull roots and pack up and travel? for three years, you know, alone, right? Around the world on a motorcycle. And I think that, um, and I always say this, this, uh, this journey itself and my stories in the book 
you know, is less about motorcycles uh, than it is about what the motorcycle represents, and that is being open, you know, being open to new experiences, open to change, and certainly um, about broadening and having a wider perspective. Because on a motorcycle, you tend to see more, you even hear and feel and uh, uh, smell, good or bad, sometimes more. So, um, but I had come, the, you know, I, like many of us, sometimes life can throw you a curve, upset your balance, and push you outside of your, uh, you know, comfort zone. And uh, I found my job at a company that I actually co-founded unfulfilling. And I had had uh, a stress in my marriage, and uh, these two came to a, a strong head when I needed to um, do something. So I. I found myself unemployed and then divorced. And uh, before I did anything, I just did the knee-jerk reaction of what I always done. I started another company. And it wasn't much long, longer after that that I realized even this wasn't fulfilling. So I decided to uh, pursue a lifelong dream, and that is to travel around the world and to um, pursue my passions, which have always been writing. You know, I blogged on this journey all the way, Mike, and I... Uh, I'm a photographer, so I um, wanted to go and photograph the beautiful, the diversity, the culture, and the colors of this world, and certainly motorcycling. And um, and so that's what I did. I took off, and uh, what then turned out to be a three-year journey around the world. You know, unlike any adventure, there were setbacks, and there were highs and lows. And I think some of the uh, some of the lows probably should be just so you know that it, you know it's not a rosy uh, three-year vacation around the world. I, I was in the high plains of Bolivia in the Altiplano, uh, hundreds of miles from anywhere. Cell phones don't work there. Uh, there's no villages. Uh, I, I slipped on a muddy road and uh, fell into the mud, and uh, my bike, which weighs about four or five hundred pounds, landed on top of me, crushing my leg. So there I am, you know, in the middle of the day, the high noon high-altitude sun burning down on me, and I've got a broken leg. You know, like, this is six months early into my journey. And I think often a lot of times um, when people have these, another kind of setback, a high-low, that, okay, I had to be medevac back to the States. I had to have surgery. I've got a veritable uh, uh, hardware store in my left leg. You know, I got screws and plates and things like that. But everybody asked me, when I was back home for this period of time after the surgery, asked, oh, well, sorry about your trip. What are you going to do now? And I even had a phone call from the gentleman I had coordinated in Bolivia to retain, you know, store my motorcycle while I healed. He writes me an email and says, Alan, since you're not coming back, I was wondering if you'd sell me your motorcycle. Well, I knew then, as I always did, Mike, that there was no <laughs> way I was quitting and giving up on what I had started. So, um, so you know, those were some of the lows. Uh, that that was a, a, a you know a tough time. It took a long time, physical therapy, and get you know to walk just without a limp. Um, but there are highs, a lot of highs in, in the in the in the highlands of Ecuador. Um, after some really wet, slippery riding through the again in the Andes. Um, I, for, I, I think I was riding for four hours and maybe made 50 miles. I mean, that's how, when it's so, and the fog is so thick and you're just trying to focus and see the road ahead of you, 
um, I finally noticed this light shine, you know, hole in this otherwise gray, gloomy sky. And it's blue, and there's there's sunlight shining uh, shining down. You're like at a rock concert, you know. It's like this beam of light is just lighting up the road ahead of me. So I pull over there just to get out of this wet gear and to feel that gorgeous heat on my face because I was frozen. And that's when I notice a woman walking up this very steep hill in a very quick step. In each hand, she's carrying a couple jug, uh, jug each hand of uh, water. They're filled about five gallons. You know how much that weighs. I mean, it, she's walking up effortlessly. And, then, and this woman greets me and turns out she's 79 years old. And she tells me that she goes up this hill every day on her way home to, you know, cook dinner for her husband. Uh, he's 59 years old, by the way. And uh, <laughs> so she winks at me and, and says, I like going men. down the hill every day. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but what really impressed me most about this woman is after we have this nice conversation, she tells me about the generations of her family and her kids or grandkids or great grandkids. I share my story. She doesn't believe I'm from California. You know, she has no concept, but, but she knows I'm from far away and she opens her mouth and she has one tooth. And she asked me, Alan, in your country, how much and can you get new teeth? And I'm like, I, I, I mean, I say, sorry, I wish I could give you teeth right now. Well, she, she puts her hand in front of me and says, no, don't worry. I'm going to have new teeth one day. So we, we talked some more. And then finally she asked me if I'd like to come home with her, you know, to meet her husband and uh, have dinner. And the weather looks wrong and my gut says I should go on. So I decide to, um, to go on. But before I do, I break out my moleskin, a little black notebook that I keep all my you know, notes and tricks and when I do my blogs and things. She sees this book. Her eyes light up. Her face is, you know, big smile. It says, could I have that book? And I said, why? She says, well, I, I'm, I'd like to learn to read. She doesn't know how to read. And this is all my handwriting, and it's horrible, and there's no way she would ever be able to read from it. I show her, and she looks at my motorcycle, which I'm carrying, you know, about 200 pounds of all my earthly belongings on, and she says, then you have another book? Well, somewhere in my, you know, and I don't. Motorcycles are too heavy. They take up too much space. But I have, like, the owner's manual of my helmet. I don't know even why, Mike, that I'm carrying this thing. And I hand it to her, and uh, it's written in five languages. So she stuffs it in there and, and, uh, and tells me that uh, uh, she won't ever forget me. Now I move on, but I can't stop for that whole time. And this story's in the book, uh, more or less. And uh, I tell her, that, uh, I think about her that the whole next week, that, that this woman living at 79 years old, so, you know, elderly woman um, living in perhaps the most impoverished country in all of South America, she still has a dream of new teeth and she has a passion, you know, wants to learn to read. Yes. And if we could all take that as a lesson, you know, and uh, ask ourselves, you know, what are our dreams and what are our passions? And think of that Rosal Garcia, you know, who at 79 years old still has it. That, that sums up also, I think, your entire book. The story after story after story. That's what I got from it. It was all these individuals. It was, I love to travel. Don't get me wrong. And I love seeing the world. But half of that is 
capturing those moments with those individuals and cultivating those relationships and seeing that the rest of the people outside of your neighborhood, outside of your community, outside of your country even, have dreams and passions just like you do in your present day. And I think you captured that beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, after all of that um, glory of seeing great museums, of seeing mountain peaks, of cultural uh, uh, destinations, Grand Canyons, uh, beautiful oceans, sandy beaches, whatever it is that inspires you when you travel. But when all that kind of uh, quickly fades and are only remaining as photographs, those things that I think that uh, are most vivid are the people that you meet, those relationships, like you said, that you, you, uh, you, you nurture and you build. Absolutely. So you turn this into a book, part photography, part travel, part cookbook. It, it is an incredible endeavor. We could sit here all day and talk about the different stories and chapters. More importantly, your book's out. Today is, today is the day. It's release day. Today is yeah. release day. So how, how can, how, what, what's your journey been like these past few weeks? How can people get a book? What else are you going to be doing? Tell us, t tell everybody what's cooking, cooking now that this is a reality from your journey. So, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, I started this process uh, more than three years ago to, to make this book. I realized that I couldn't just write a story about my journey, that I needed to uh, let people see uh, the countries I visited through, through my photography. I needed people to certainly feel uh, a, a connection to that country through my stories of culture and uh, often collision. And to also um, taste that country through the food. So I wanted to have all three of these elements, you know, see it, feel it, and taste it. And I um, couldn't convince traditional publishers um, or uh, literary agents to go ahead and, and, uh, and have that vision that I had. So I went to Kickstarter, as you know, back in the fall and um, had already produced the book up to the point where I just needed to do the final tweaks and get it to a printer. But this is an expensive book to print because of all the color and photography and the oversized, the hardcover. So Kickstarter was great because it kind of validated with about 500-plus uh, backers. I raised over $40,000, which gave me the funds to print it. And that uh, finally culminated you know, a, a month or so ago when the final printed copies landed here and got to the warehouse for the distributor. And uh, since then, I have been building up to today to this launch day, to let people know that this book is out. This is what, what it is. So, um, you know, and, and, and you're, you're, uh, you're in sales and marketing. You know, you, you need to get the word out. So I had to go out and not only sell, but, but make sure people understood this is not an ordinary book. This is an extraordinary book because uh, it's and, and I'm not just saying it because I'm the author and put it together. I had a great team that put this together. I can't take all the credit. I mean, I've got two pages of acknowledgments in the back of this book. So this would have never happened without uh, a team of people, not only in the production, but the people that followed me during my journey. So I'm reaching out to, to all those people I've connected with and trying to get everybody to uh, spread the word and, um, and see this book. Because once they open it and start reading it or tasting or cooking the recipes, they, they, they really do love it and feel a little bit of connection to the book itself. And for me, that's what I've really been trying to do is get people to connect with this book 
and to see that bigger picture, to expand their worldview and be open to new experiences as well. I think you, I think you hit it on the head with that too. And the recipes are extraordinary in there. You know, my, my wife and I started really realizing what you can do with a recipe cookbook when we were doing the four hour chef by Tim Ferriss and we started cooking some of his recipes and we realized yeah. the bonding time that that goes through it and and Tim I think at the end of the book said it's not about the recipes it's about creating the recipe together and the conversations that you have while you're breaking that bread and I think your book took it to a whole different level and really hit on that so how can how can people get some of these recipes where's um, best way what what's the best way I know your books on Amazon but yep. what's, what's the best way to go to your website? So you can go to ForksTheBook.com. Anybody that goes to ForksTheBook.com and purchases a book there, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and sign it and uh, send it to you personally. Um, but Amazon certainly has it as well. And to be honest with you, Amazon is selling it cheaper than my website. Um, but I guess you pay a little bit extra for for my, my personal touch, but Amazon certainly has it, and I, I don't, uh, Barnes & Noble has it, if you love independent bookstores, you know, one of the greatest in the country is Powell's in, in Portland, they've got a great website, they're selling it, your local bookstore uh, in your own independent bookstore in your own town, if they don't have it, they can get it, because it's in the catalogs where they buy all their books, I, I worked real hard, Mike, to make sure that this was accessible, and yes. distribution, as you know, is key. Not everybody's going to inventory books because we know what's happening to bookstores. They're becoming fewer and fewer. But those that remain, you know, if you, you, you tell them you want to support your bookstore, by all means, they'll get the book for you. Um, but ForksTheBook.com, Amazon, I, I just want to uh, see this book on your table, you as the veritable listener here. And... Um, and share it with your friends and uh, invite them over. Pick a country. Go ahead and cook it, a dinner, uh, a dinner or a meal from that country, or just a dish, and then read about it while you cruise through the photographs and have a sense of what it might like, be, might, might like to be in a country like Sudan, Syria, Colombia, or Zambia, you know? I mean, we've got 35 countries in there. Absolutely. And everyone, I recommend going straight to... No offense to my friends at Amazon, they've helped me with my books, but um, you can get, Alan did a wonderful personalization for my father for Father's Day on my book and uh, really taking the extra time to make it personal. So I'd head over to his website and do that. What uh, kind of wisdom do you have to offer the marketing fund with my community? We're, we're trying to help people live the life they want and deserve. What does that, what does that mean to you? There's a lot of things. First of all, don't be afraid to try something different, to take chances, because um, don't be afraid to, to fail. Uh, the only way you can succeed and know success is to know failure. So, so you, you know, a lot of times you say, well, I'm not ready. I want to wait till this, 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 whatever it is in your life. Uh, so I, I think just go ahead. Just step outside your comfort zone and take a chance. And, um, and don't be afraid of that. I think the other thing, what really inspired me on my journey, and this is one of my mantras going way back, and you know this, Mike, is to, is to you know, be open by being curious. One of my quote-unquote sayings is stay curious. Curious, Because when we are curious, we tend to ask more questions. 
And when we're curious, we have a broader and wider perspective. And we, we need that because, you know, in order to realize our possibilities or unleash our passion, we have to be able to see that. And with perspective, you can see more. And when you see more, you certainly can um, realize more. And I think uh, ask questions and wonder and stay curious would be uh, the other wisdom. And, and finally, I think the, um, the, the bottom line is, uh, for, for all of us, is to understand the old very basic notion of humanity is that um, there are, there, this, is, this is not my quote at all. This is an old Irish proverb, and it opens my book with it. It says, there are no strangers, only friends you haven't met. And, uh, and, 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 and have compassion and be nice to people. I'm, I'm going to share with you, since I'm in New York, and those of you who, who travel in big cities all over probably have taken a taxi at times, right? Have you ever, Mike, left something in a taxi accidentally? I have not, but I've had many of my friends who I'm with do it. Yeah. Well, I yesterday was on my way to an interview, and um, it was on a narrow, crowded street. Traffic was getting backed up. People were honking, and there was a guy on the side of the uh, sidewalk walking, yelling at the cab driver, and I'm trying to pay the guy for the ride. And um, I rush out, and I realize hours later that I left my sunglasses. My sunglasses. Yeah, these sunglasses. Those are good-looking glasses, too. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. They, were, uh, they were a gift of, uh, to me of a good friend. So they had not only a monetary value, but they had a sentimental value. I figured this out later. You know, how many times have you left something? What are the odds of getting it back in a city with a thousand, with probably five thousand cabs, taxi cabs? Well, I went through the process and finally found the garage where the cab was from because I had a receipt. Called them hours later. I got a call from the cab driver. He says, "Yeah, I've got your glasses." And he says, "Where are you? I'll bring them to you." Several hours later, he texts me and he says, "I'm, I'm there out the corner of these two streets." I go down there. And he says, you know, Alan, here's your glasses. He says, I, I remember you, you know. You were nice to me because we had had many conversations. Yes. And so when we're nice to people, you know, things will come back like glasses from a cab driver in New York City. Cab. So that's the last piece of wisdom. Uh, we, can, we have lots of wisdom, but that's a, that's a good story. Be nice. Wonderful. All right. You were on Good Morning, book was on Good Morning America's coffee table last week. You got Forbes.com in a couple hours, Newsweek. What, what's next other than uh, all those exciting things for Alan Carl? Well, I want to, you know, be as visible as I can be at this point. Not me personally. I want to get the book there. It's, it's definitely about getting forks out there. Certainly it's my story, so, so I do go along with that. Um, as we move into the holiday season, it's a great holiday book, not only for Father's Day coming up, but, you know, when we got the 2014 holiday season. I would like next year to get back on the road, Mike, and I would want to venture into visit some of the countries and experience some of the different cultures that I didn't have to do on my first journey. I, I doubt I'll do another three-year journey, but I will do a several-month journey, and I'm going to go to Iran, Pakistan, and into Nepal and India. This uh, part of uh, Eastern, uh, Western moving to Eastern Asia, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated because I didn't get to these countries. Yes. Uh, and, and there would be a follow-up book um, 
that I think would be uh, a lot of fun to do uh, regarding that uh, journey. A little bit of the Silk Road moving into some other countries that people mostly would be very afraid and wonder why in the world, Alan, would you ever want to go there? But that's the question I always ask myself is why not? You know, people are people. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I want to I experience that, um, that culture. And uh, I accept that there are risks, but without, uh, yeah, as, uh, as I'm fond of saying, you know, if we don't accept the risk, we'll never realize the possibilities. Absolutely. So we can look forward to spoons and knives coming out in 2018, I think is what he's saying here. I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We got we got a lot of utensils we can do, you know. Well, let's jump Cut in. <laughs> let's jump into uh, before we head out. A little marketing fun with Mike. Lightning round questions. All okay. Right. You have one one word staring at you in the bathroom mirror every morning to motivate you. What is that word? Smile. It's true. Perfect. I think you just hit on this one. What is one country that you haven't been to that you would like to get to? Outside of that group that you just named then. Pick a different one. Madagascar. Madagascar. Yeah, I want to go to Madagascar. It's off the coast of uh, Eastern Africa, and I just didn't get there. You know, it was a little bridge too far, and there's no bridge there. So uh, Madagascar for sure. Is this the best coffee table book to come out since Kramer did his on Seinfeld in the mid-1990s? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that, what a great reference yes absolutely this is the coffee book and you know you should put the two next to each other absolutely Kramer knew what he was doing with that one too yeah what goes on a friendly international Alan Carl style hot dog oh international style I'm really a minimalist when it comes to hot dogs and I know that most hot dog people are going to really feel that uh, I'm a, a, a disgrace to the hot dog eating community. I like ketchup on a hot dog. Now, what I would like to do also is chop up some green onions and put that on there, and then I would go on and put some gherkins pickles on there as well, and um, and, and that would be. Now, if I really wanted to, to do something wild, okay, and, and to make this a true international, maybe a Latin hot dog, because they don't eat hot dogs in most of Latin America. I don't remember one hot dog there. Is um, is there's a dish in the in the book called gallo pinto? It's from Costa Rica. It's like uh, gallo pinto means speckled rooster. So it's uh, black beans and rice and uh, uh, sometimes an egg. And I I believe if you if you took that um, that gallo pinto and um, and you you made it a little more density with a little more beans, less rice, and some of the other ingredients in there that. Um, that you would have uh, a great international hot dog. And as I'm thinking of it, you right now, is why not even totally mix it up? Take, go to Argentina, take your hot dog, loose the bun, grill it, do what you do, then chop it up. Chop it up into little pieces, mix it with some raisins, mix it with some olives, mix it with some more pickles, and certainly um, uh, some green onions and some spices, and then bake it in a puff pastry like and make it hot dog empanada i think you have a restaurant opening in your future there you go <laughs> that is great you know alan i i am truly grateful to have you on the show i want to thank you again for your time all my friends listening go buy this book forksthebook.com 
just go buy it. It's a wonderful book. You'll enjoy it. You'll get passed along to the friend who will enjoy it just as much. Until the next edition of the Hot Dog Sand Chronicles, I want to thank everyone for listening. This is the hot dog extraordinaire Mike Rudd and Alan Carl heading back out onto the open road. And I just want to say, carpe diem, everybody. You were just listening to the Hot Dog Stand Chronicles. Until next time, the hot dog extraordinaire has signed off. Thanks for tuning in.